This is So Long Too Long, a true-to-life recounting of a band that, despite their very best efforts, seemed destined to break into the big time if they could only overcome one hurdle, themselves. If they weren't quite four lads who shook the world, they certainly gave their postcodes a tremble. Liverpool is a city not short of coulda bins and shoulda bins. Artists that should or could have been world beaters, but ultimately never quite made the big time, often finding themselves derailed by a heavy cocktail of drink, drugs and ego. The Lars, for instance, could have been the biggest band in the world if it wasn't for Lee Mavis's perfectionism and mammoth drug use. Mikhead could have been our very own Bert Bacharach if it wasn't for absolutely rotten luck and mammoth drug use. And Echo and the Bunnymen should have been bigger than you too, if it wasn't for tragedy and mammoth... Well, you get my point. For many such acts, it often appeared that fortune just didn't fancy them. Despite having everything, buckets of talent, a great image, a groundswell of support, their break just didn't quite happen. My name is Matty, and during my late teens and early twenties, I found myself in the yin to such bands yang, in that I was in a band that, right up until its end, seemed destined to actually make it despite having minimal talent, a terrible image and zero support. We were shambolic, drunk, never rehearsed, rarely recorded, had egos the size of the Merzianas and couldn't string a coherent gig together. Yet somehow, somehow, fate kept granting us such opportunities as being awarded Song of the Week on Radio 1 and being interviewed on Six Music. Doubtlessly, countless bands would grab such opportunities with both hands, sinking their teeth into whatever presented itself to them. Yet we blithely let it all pass us by, safe in the knowledge that something else would come along, only even if it didn't, so what? If I was being philosophical and stretching the truth to within an inch of its fibres, I'd say that as a unit, throughout those years, we were adopting a Taoist approach to our situation, choosing to do nothing and rather than interfering, letting the universe find its own way for us. In reality, we were just dickheads. Yet somehow, and in direct contrast to the age-old, they had everything but didn't quite make it, until fate finally decided that she'd given us enough chances, our band, the Albany, genuinely nearly hit the big time, very much despite ourselves. This isn't a tale about years of hedonistic, hard-living, sex, drugs and rock and roll, and it never could be as such tales often involve at least a glimmer of glamour. Rather, this is a true-to-life recounting of four lads and a gang of reprobates around them, cluelessly bumbling their way through late adolescence, utterly deluded that fame was waiting for them with outstretched arms, and all they had to do was turn up. It all amounted to an ultimately fruitless endeavour, but heavens above we had a laugh. Regrets? We've a few. But from the safety of a decade or two later, it's safe to say that we wouldn't change a thing. And anyway, it was so long ago. Too long. So long, too long. On the night the Albany formed, there was jubilation in Liverpool. There were fireworks lighting up the night sky, strangers many of whom were habitually emotionally repressed men, 
were ecstatically embracing each other with tear-filled eyes, and across the postcodes, pubs were throwing licensing laws to the wind, extending opening hours until the dawn, all in aid of a celebration that would go down in civic history, followed by a subsequent day-long procession throughout the city later that week. Admittedly, these festivities were purely because on the 25th of May 2005, Liverpool FC had just won the Champions League in a thrilling comeback from being 3-0 down at half-time, but as far as legacies go for a band, it's not a bad start. Although I'm an Evertonian, albeit a lapsed one these days, I'd gone to watch the final with my mates in our local pub called, handily for this tale, the Albany. I was the only member of our gang above the legal drinking age, but it wasn't the type of establishment to worry itself with such fine detail. And joining me were my mates, Steve Buckley, who was a matter of months off 18, as well as Liam, Rowie Rowlands, Cody and Bob, who were all in the school year below us, but looked much older than me and Steve. The game ended in dramatic fashion, with Liverpool winning the title on penalties, and as Jersey Dudek stretched out his arm to make the final save that clinched the game, the pub erupted with an explosion of primal screaming and beer was swiftly tossed skywards. My enduring memory of the moments that followed the final whistle is watching Rowie tear down a Liverpool flag from the wall and beat the pole of it against his head and the chair in front of him, viscerally happy, completely lost to the ecstasy, while sat in the said chair was a man easily in his 60s sobbing into his hat. As the LFC chant started, it was all getting a bit too much for me. I had to take a breather. I stepped outside the pub and wandered around the block. From every direction I could hear singing and cheering, spilling out of homes and alehouses, whilst up above me fireworks stockpile for the occasion were exploding in relief and abandon. <sighs> I sighed and resigned to myself that I'd never be able to experience such highs given my footballing allegiances, but I did wonder what it would take for me to be able to feel such a thrill. It certainly wasn't going to be through football. Through music perhaps? What would the equivalent be? Getting a number one? A record deal? probably getting the call to play Glastonbury. I'd certainly be bashing flagpoles against my head if that ever came off. The only snag was, despite having written a smattering of songs that I thought were pretty good and having dicked around with a few musicians from school, I wasn't actually in a band. Ah well, I reasoned, best get back to the pub. There's sure to be a big party ahead of us. And my word was there a party. Ale was on the house, karaoke machines were wheeled out, and before long, the cause of the celebrations faded away, football ceased to matter and talk turned to other things. Amidst the haze and the madness, at one point Rowie told us all that he'd not long got a guitar and my ears pricked up. Likewise, Steve, who had a drum kit, flashed me a look. Steve and I had had a bit of a mess around now and then with a few songs I'd written and even played one gig under a moniker that is somehow even worse now than it was back then, the Jimmy Savile experience. But as you can probably tell by that name, it had been nothing serious. However, only days before this fateful evening, Steve had mooted the idea, influenced by watching the Blues Brothers, of getting the band back together, man. Rowie's news therefore felt important. This was kismet, alignment, a mission from God. At this point, Rowie was more of a mate of a mate, someone we knew through Cody and Bob, but in an instant, that changed. He was in the band. Our band. we just formed a band. Minor details like the band name, songs or whether or not any of us could actually play our instruments were swept aside for another time. And instead, we partied, knowing that the world was about to change, it just didn't know it yet. Right, shall we make a start? Yeah, so, so it begins. begins. So it begins, Steve calling in from uh, Abu Dhabi. 
rain in Abu yep. Dhabi today. Yeah, first time in, in a while, to be honest. That's an ominous sign. <laughs> take two, in, in typical Albany fashion, uh, we, we, we lost take one. I knocked a cup of tea over everywhere and uh, deleted two recordings. So, <laughs> actually, <laughs> episode one, take two, but here we go. So, Steve calling in from Abu Dhabi, me and Rowie in the... Uh, Actually, it is a very sunny Liverpool today. So this episode, right, we're talking about the, the forming of the band and it was really kind of ground zero for everything. And it's great that we've got the Champions League to anchor ourselves back to. We can put a date to it uh, that fateful day in May 2005. Um, I mean, what football aside, like we, we all know what happened, but what are your take-homes from that night then? Apart from the victory, um, that was just started this band but I didn't realise until like probably a couple of weeks later because I was saying before like speaking about like starting the band I don't like we've got like that date the 25th of May to anchor us back but I think it's only Matty who realised that he started a band because <laughs> I remember talking about it as such but like actually practising or like being in a band didn't come to at least at least a week later when it was like do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that, you're serious? Okay, let's go then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a wonder any of us remembered anything from that night. I think I'd, I'd burnt it into my brain, right? I'm starting a band now. But, uh, it, I mean, it was wild, wasn't it? It was, it was absolutely... Well, remember the Al- So the Albany, for people who don't know, it's a proper side street boozer in uh, Liverpool, a proper old-fashioned boozer. And we were really tucked away, and I, I, I don't remember why, but there was a tiny little size room with a tiny little tenant you'd have in your spare bedroom all squinting to watch the match. <laughs> it was next to the ladies' toilets. I don't know why. We perched ourselves next to the ladies' toilets to watch the final. <laughs> One of them tellies where, like, the back of the telly is as wide as the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you got yeah. a better picture on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all again not to get into the footy, but we all know what happened three three nil down at half time, and uh, uh, I can remember. I, I'm an Evertonian, but you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't gloating or anything. But I remember <laughs> Steve, you were absent for half time, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was a bit upset, and um, <laughs> so me and our our friends uh, Cody decided to go and see a man on Green Lane <laughs> to see if he could satisfy us with some herbs. So. <laughs> So it kind of cheered me up, yeah, kind of cheered me up a little bit when we got back. Uh, but the only thing is, so the second half, second half happened, Yeah, I remember I remember the penalties and I remember Robbie grabbing me and like, you must watch and like force me to like <laughs> look at this like seven inch screen. And then when we, when we won, everyone was cheering and like, I, I remember all the craziness, like not too much, but it's like in the background because yeah. Cody put his hand on mine and went... This could all be a dream, you know. <laughs> and then that for me, like, just sent me head west because I was sitting there and I was thinking, this ain't, this isn't real. So like, I lost the whole glory of it, and like in the moments because I thought I'm in a dream, I'm, I'm in bed right now. But apart from that, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So like yeah. the whole band conversation, I think I was there in body. But like obviously I was somewhere else. You're on I, I remember checking my pulse for a while. 
Oh God! Oh man! <laughs> Mentally, you were on Green Lane, weren't you? Although, speaking of Green Lane, we—I uh, said it in the narrative, but it was true. Obviously, as an Evertonian, I was, I was very pleased for me mates, but it was getting a bit much. All the NFC chant, and I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take a, a breather out there. And um, I walked around the block, and then when I came back. I forgot about this, but there was a. It wasn't just a conga. It was. It was like a, an absolute procession, wasn't it? Like it seemed like half of Old Swan was in this one, one conga that started in the Albany. I was at, at least fifty deep, at least. <laughs> and like once it started, then you, you don't want to break a conga chain, do you? Because you don't want two congas going down. <laughs> so it's like you got to commit to it. But the Connie Club, further down Darby Lane, was about two, three hundred yards away. So everyone just like little little step and kicking out and little step to kick out with the other side. But then we just ended up in the Connie Club <laughs> and like there's people who've like put the pan down on the snooker table, just like <laughs> looking up between frames, like what's happening here? <laughs> and then it's just like, well, yeah, it's a conger, obviously. But I don't think anyone prepared for like going into another place. That's fantastic. Yeah, see I I think like the conger obviously was to celebrate Liverpool. But we were all in it, and I think the only reason we were in it because there were girls in it. We thought they might talk to us. <laughs> talk, talk, talk to the back of the head. <laughs> See that game then? <laughs> Was that you man well, the girls' toilets? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, that, that's what I think. Um, the conga, but again, I think I was in the conga, but... I didn't have a clue what was going on, <laughs> to be honest. I was just this, this way to Green Lane, lads. Yeah, I, I just thought I was going home. Thought that's how I got it. <laughs> but I will take it home, lads. Join the conga. I completely forgot about it and the fact that it actually went like a conga led from one pub into another pub and then round the bar and back out of the pub. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind they were all fuming as well. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, it was kind of like, what are you doing here? Get out. Should have called that. Yeah, you should Tory. Simple Tory behaviour, that, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> the Conservative Club in Old Swan. Jesus. Bloody hell. Just that good snooker tables. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So then the night, like, it, it was wild, wasn't it? It was absolutely wild. It, it, it's, it's, I mean, we're casting our minds back nearly two decades anyway, but it was it was one of those nights where you look back, that, that was one of the maddest nights of my life, that. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And uh, the karaoke machine came out, didn't it? And, Ail was on the house, I remember that. It was uh, uh Well your name would have got written down by like one of us to yeah. do a grapevine or something. On the karaoke. <laughs> yeah, reluctantly you would have got up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like as soon as I came the champagne bottles were dry or probably out of the prosecco in the Albany. Like Lambrini. Lambrini, yeah. Like we like started talking about like what's happening next or like what we're being up to whatever but obviously like something was on your mind like mm-hmm. with um with it with music and all that but yeah it's like you just start talking as as mates again because like the footy's over so let's let's just talk about normal stuff let's let's just crack on then it was a decent night in the end yeah it was decent do, do you remember because I, I, I can i can remember the moments where you said you gotta get to, I'm, I'm sure steve can't <laughs> I, I, I was still in the conga <laughs> a conga of one do, but do you remember that the moment like that conversation because I, I can i can we weren't in the side room by this point we were in like the the middle room with with a bigger telly the main uh, part the main part yeah yeah and i can remember where we were sat and i can't remember how it came up but i do remember you saying uh, oh yeah i've got a guitar 
Well, I, 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 I can't semi-remember it, but it definitely wouldn't have been bragging because it literally just got a guitar <laughs> a few months prior. So it wasn't like Hendrix was hiding over here or anything. But <laughs> yeah, like I, I think Cody mentioned uh, to use that. I had a guitar and obviously like your ears must have picked up, yeah. but little did you know, that was like all the detail. I had a guitar. <laughs> it, didn't it did not matter. Well, Cody was part of um, that select group of people, like the Sex Pistols gig in Manchester, where there's like 11 people there and they all form bands. He was at the Jimmy Snuffle experience, wasn't he? Oh, uh, God. Oh, well, I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel we, we yeah, because me and Steve, we had, as I said, in in the main body, we, we had been in a band and I do, right, for all the, <laughs> any legal implications, I do want to stress, we were called the Jimmy Savile experience. This was pre-knowledge. I can't stress that enough. At that point, Jimmy Savile was just some bloke who used to be on the telly, who looked a bit of an odd bod, and I think I was listening to, because we didn't we didn't have a name. It's not like we, we asked to go on the poster or anything. We played a gig in a venue we'll talk about in a sec, and um, we didn't have a name. It was just me, you, and a bloke called Paul Barrow, and... Um, Someone said, what are you called? And I must have been listening to the Jimi Hendrix experience and I said, oh, the Jimmy Savile experience. And it just fell flat and everyone rolled their eyes. And I remember Steve just shaking his head at me. I thought, well, no harm done. Fast forward 20 <laughs> years, there's a lot of harm done. But I can't stress, we did not know he was a nonce. <laughs> was he convicted? Just unearthed. Oh, no. <laughs> well, this is... We, oh, Christ. Oh, God. Uh, I just remember, though, I, I remember we played the gig, and I remember, I think there was, like, a couple of people in the audience crying, or putting <laughs> fingers in their ears or something. And our guitarist, we finished the gig, we walked out into the car park, and he was like, I'll never play with you again, essentially. <laughs> so, like, everyone was there for that, so, like... Robbie saying I've got a guitar and knowing that like no one else would join our band that we hadn't formed yet. You, you were like yeah, the ideal shakes. candidate. <laughs> <laughs> and we were great ball chitters. Oh oh yeah, oh yeah, we yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we that that's another thing. Like we, we, we talked the talk before we could even walk any sort of walk, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, to set the scene, we well me and Steve we were male eighteen year olds, so instantly full of shite. Like absolutely, like full of shite, weren't we? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Any time we could, our band was the best. The Lars, oh, yeah. you listen to the Lars. You, you, we were like religious about certain music. It had to oh, be yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the thing that two great bullshitters need is a gullible audience, and I was, <laughs> I was a willing participant <laughs> in all of that. Because <laughs> at the time, I know I said it earlier in the, the narrative, but like you were more Cody and Bob's mate, weren't you? Like we were, we knew each other, but we we'd never like. Yeah, I think I think out. I'd only like met you like probably in the twelve months prior, but only like fleetingly. Yeah, but I I went to school with like acquaintances like Bob and Cody, and. Um, yeah, I just I, I knew of Steve before I'd seen him because <laughs> <laughs> like, his legend travels. Yeah, yeah, the legend travels. Saga Steve's was your name. <laughs> so like, yeah, was it? Well, that's what I that's what I that's what I thought it was. Uh, I remember signing school off with Bob and cooking him an omelet, and then he was ill. He's off school the next day. <laughs> that's hardly that's what you Better be almost die out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you want to do? Side school? I'll come back to me mum and dad's. I'll cook here and all there. <laughs> Who needs education, man? <laughs> oh, man. Christ um, almighty. Oh. 
But, but, but we, Steve's right, we were absolutely militant. Before we t- even like got a band together, we were militant about like things like the Lars, weren't we? And um, we, we, we threw words around. We didn't know what the friggin' hell they meant. Like, everything had to be rootsy. If you'd have asked me, what does rootsy mean, Matty? I'd have give me some bullshit about how it's a, it's a vibe, not a word, mate. But we, we had no idea, but everything had to be rootsy, didn't it, Steve? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I, I purposely, like, Fell out with people that didn't like the lads. <laughs> or I'm there. <laughs> like, and just be like, oh, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, it was just crazy. I was honestly like, we were just like, so I've never, I think only when you're a teenager you could ever be in, into a band so much. Yeah. Where like, it was, it was, we were like, like Jehovah's, where we were like, <laughs> anyone we met, we were like, have you heard the good news? I'm, I'm giving them like a, a bloody CD or whatever, except really aggressively. Maybe have they should take some lessons. <laughs> no, and just be that aggressive and say, have you heard the good news, lad? It's <laughs> timeless melody. Yeah. It's rooty. It's from the Mississippi. I don't know why you let us off, because like, like, obviously I'd heard of the last, but like only like the hits, if you want to say, yeah. like, the big ones, but used to like another level. <laughs> like used to like the wider circle, it's just another level because it's like, like, like Beatles and all that. Like you weren't getting into them because it was just like these like four lads just yeah. from eight and whatever. Yeah, just going insane over them, and obviously like they still like get get spoken about and like revered in the city itself. Like today. But you, I don't think as mad as you. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, it was almost. You, know, you say Jehovah's, it, it was religious, wasn't it? With me, with me, you, and Cody would spend a Saturday afternoon. We'd go around Harry Records and any other charity shop, seeing if we can find anything. You know, even though, we, oh God, you know, there's another version of Doldrum that we haven't heard. We've got to hunt it down. Yeah. And uh, we 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 just do that, and it's like it's no wonder there was freaking no girlfriends on the scene. Because uh, have you heard the last? No, oh, fuck off then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when we were like six, 16, 15, 16, we stayed on the bus on the 10 just to go to Heighton, thinking like at the Heighton bus stop where the McDonald's is, Lee Mavs would just be out there, just like greeting us, like you've made it to the promised yeah. land. Yeah. And all that exactly. happened is we got off the bus, got scared and went on. <laughs> that, that, that is it, that is it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, got close to him though. <laughs> close there. Close there. But uh, that, that, that shows like how much it was all bullshit in the sense that the moment the 10A went past the Sainsbury's in Old Swan, we were like, don't know where we are now. We're scared. I'm but, lost. Well, I'm lost, yeah. But uh, on the other side, at the same time, we're talking about, yeah, we're going to take over the world. We're going to take over like, three stops on the 10A down Prescott Road. We're getting nosebleeds. Like. Dropping breadcrumbs out the window so you can <laughs> to I, I, was, I was very aware of my bad haircut and having hair like, close to me. Past my shoulders, maybe. I, I don't know. Oh, mine was just thoughts. That's a heightened haircut. It is now. Oh. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Paddy the Baddy stole me hair. <laughs> he must have seen you at the Mackies. <laughs> yeah, he must have. <laughs> Get him on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It all changed. There was one time about 20 years ago, right? I was getting me Big Mac and I saw this lad with uh, shoulder length hair. I thought, yeah. And chased by all the skinheads. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shouting something about Doldrum. I don't know what. <laughs> Dawn finally dragged us out of the pub, and on the walk home we got straight down to discussing how to conquer the planet. We eagerly gushed about what we were going to sound like, who'd be begging to support us, and what magazines we were going to grace the cover of. I obviously saw myself as a genius, 
I was Brian Wilson and Lee Mavers straying through Bob's Dylan and Marley, and everyone else just needed to hear me. Oh, Rowie, mate, I've got deep songs, mate, dead deep. Of course I did. I was a genius, don't you know? Steve's heard them. Steve nodded. He hadn't, of course, but we wanted to show that we had plans, man, plans. Oh, but I've got silly songs too, mate. Melody, poppy ones. And Rowie was sure I did too. Of course he was. That's what our band does. We balance deep songs with poppy ones. That's who we are, man. And then there's this one I've got. It's called So Long Too Long, and it goes like this. And I gave the lads a warbled, beer-sodden, a cappella rendition of our first instant classic. Been away so long, too long. Been away so long, too long. You've forgotten the words, you've forgotten the song. You've been away so long, too long. We whooped, we hollered, we'd cracked it. This band lark is dead easy, lark. So that was it. So even before like we'd formed the band, me and Steve, we had just an ethos about us in general. We knew we were going to be in a band. We, but the Jimmy Savile experience lasted one night. Um, but we knew we were going to be in a band. Oh, but we had a, we had a, we had a, it was like we carried a manifesto about ourselves that we yeah. didn't quite yeah. understand. Like most manifestos, we didn't understand it, but we we would firmly defend it. So then when Rowie says, I've got a guitar, it's like, right, well, you're routine now as well. You don't know it, but you're routine now when you're in the band. <laughs> Oh, like, did you actually start in the day? Oh, oh, that was good. That's rootsy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was so. With that, I mentioned the. I, I, I cringe every time I say it now. So I mentioned the Jimmy Savile experience. I can't stress enough. This is pre-knowledge. We we play, me and Steve. We played one gig in. Now this sounds mental, but my school had a pub, which is mental. It was called the CI. And it was just a scene of utter carnage, as you'd imagine. Um, <clears throat> and we we played the one gig, um, and Steve's right. We, we ended with the song, which was I, I never, never, never ever played it again, and never finished it because it, the the outro, like the extended outro, was just feedback. I remember seeing one girl <laughs> just stood there with her fingers in her ears, just shaking her head. Um, so that <laughs> that's a sign of things to come. So that was the CI. Now that's actually. Which I'd forgotten until Rowie uh, reminded me off off Mike. That's where we went after the Albany on that night we formed, wasn't it? The walk between the Albany and the CI. That's yeah, where I don't really remember that. Like I think the Tim Mann and, and the line and that were walking <laughs> with me. Because honestly, like it, it's it's a bit hazy. It's a fair it's a fair old journey when you've got like heavy legs after <laughs> after a few after a few drinks, but I think you've seen that as your moment to like give us the sale pitch. Yes. On that yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah. That was exactly it. That was yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like I had my preamble already. I was like, right, I've got to pick your moment, pick your moment, pick your moment, and then like, He's vulnerable. He's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> an in, in. I remember I remember. Yeah. Down. yeah. <laughs> we were on Eccles Hill Road in like Stonycroft, which is the next road to where I was living, and uh, I just remember, right, kind of, yeah, yeah. So Rowie, I know we mentioned it before, lad, but yeah. The band, man, the band, Rootsy, yeah, man, yeah. And I remember singing, uh, of all songs, so long, too long, too. And uh, again, me and Steve, like, we, we, we presented it as if we've got a we've got a whole plan drawn up. We, you know, stick with us, Rowie, stick with us, mate. <laughs> In reality, we'd watched the Blues Brothers a few days before and, and Steve wanted to form a band. Yeah, because obviously the band that we had lasted one gig. <laughs> so if we, if we can match that, we're winning. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two gigs and you need it. Two gigs, well, yeah, that's it. User experience by that point, then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm just lying well, on my arm. 
Well, I just remember the band we were playing with, the band's headline and that like little show, they had actual equipment. Like at, at that time, I think you were playing on a 10 watt amp and I brought oh, yeah. me uh, drums and bin bags. So it was oh, yeah. like a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no wonder the other lad left. <laughs> <laughs> It staggers me to think of it now, from the perspective of a perpetually tired 36-year-old. But the very next morning, I had an A-level exam, and somehow, despite having a mere few hours sleep and a skinful of beer, I made it on time and got through it. The room was spinning, I had the Sahara inside my head, but I breezed out of the exam hall, and I was practically walking on air. And why wouldn't I be? I was young, I'd just finished my A-levels, and I'd just formed the greatest band in the world. So that was it, on, on, that was our pitch, and uh, I can't remember much about the CI because it does get a bl- blurry after then. But then the next day, I, I had an A-level exam, but I, I mean, I had that age. That's you, amazing. You're made of rubber, aren't you, in those days? You yeah. bounce off. Yeah. But uh, I do, I remember, like, that was, that was the last thing on my mind because I was just like, I've just formed a band, man. I've just formed, get in, like, a proper band, like, me and Steve, just, we've, we've got our, our next piece now, it's, it's happening, it's happening, but, uh, I don't know, was, was it even on your mind the next day? You well, it, it's nice hearing you talk about, like, such, like, a confident sense because, like, like I say, like I said before, like, I was probably just unaware of all of this <laughs> until, like, the next time we met. But, yeah, go ahead. I was all for it. Like, you must have done, like, a brilliant job on that walk. <laughs> it must have convinced me somewhat. <laughs> but, yeah, I was all in. Take me out yeah. bands off. I trust you. Because this is the days before, like, WhatsApp and that way you could just, like, message yeah. to the form a, a group on WhatsApp and there you yeah. go. Like, I woke up with a sense of, like, what did we do last night? And <laughs> oh, then no. I remember my dad and my brother getting in um, and they'd be in the match. And obviously then I was like, ah, we did win it. <laughs> <laughs> They're happy. Yeah. Not a dream. Yeah, and then I walked down to get like the 60 bus, but then like the, the bus went past with the trophy on it and I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a dream. Yeah. It's a dream within a dream. <laughs> Don't. You'll, you'll set me off now. <laughs> And then, yeah, that was it. Next step, world domination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Long Too Long is a podcast written by me, Matty Lachman Day, also starring Liam Rowlands and Steve Buckley. For more information, search So Long Too Long podcast on all socials or email us at solongtoolongpod at gmail.com. So Long Too Long is part of the Club Shipwreck Network. For more information, go to www.patreon.com slash clubshipwrecked. Thanks to John Gibbons and the Anfield Rap for Loan of the Studio. I like playing in the dark, man.